Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. everyone, I'm Guile, and I tweet at Door Podcast, and tonight I'm joined by Kama. Hi, this is Kama, and you can find me at the-real-commasplace on Tumblr. And Lot? Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth-Posts on Tumblr. And returning guest, Argastar. Hi, I'm Argastar, and you can find me at, at that name on Tumblr. So Argastar at Tumblr? Not yes, that just, name? just 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 Argastar. Sorry, I'm feeling very literal. Um, tonight we're going to be continuing our reread of Tyrion and Sansa's chapters in A Storm of Swords. And we'll be covering Sansa 1 from A Storm of Swords. And um want to give a general warning for potential rape discussion and, of course, our standard spoiler warning. Uh, be prepared to be spoiled for the books, the books, the show, and potentially filming spoilers for Game of Thrones Season 8. So I think I got it all covered, iTunes reviewers. I'm always worried about them. So <laughs> to prepare for this, I actually went back to Sansa's last Clash chapter, and I just wanted to um, remember kind of where she was before we pick her up in Storm here. And so in her last Clash chapter, that's where Joffrey breaks their betrothal and that we see the Tyrells kind of getting their due for helping win the Battle of the Blackwater. And it's really interesting how George plants some seeds for feast in this little chapter, um, because among those who are rewarded are our future friend, Jocelyn Peckledon. And he it seems like he kind of gets a little screwed, because we learn that he killed a couple of knights, captured some others, and he got a sword and a promise to be knighted. And he, we also find out he's only 14. I always think of him as a little bit older. And that seems a little paltry compared to Philip Foote, who killed Bryce Karen of the um, – Brienne was going to marry into that family – in single combat. And he ended up with a title, a new house, and all of their land. So he kills one dude and gets all of that. And poor jo- and poor Pack like, is this awesome 14-year-old and gets um, kind of jack shit. And on the losing side, we see Mark Mullendore again, and you might remember him um, of the monkey and being monkey. part of the Brienne bet. And our all-time asshole, Red Ronnet, is our, it's our first peek at him. And then uh, George also plants a very significant seed at the very end of the chapter. Um, Sir Dantos gives Sansa a very particular hairnet, so... Uh, you know, there's a whole lot going on that we're going to see come to fruition over the next two books that happened in her last chapter. <clears throat> so we move on to Storm, and we catch up with Sansa, and she is really nervously anticipating her dinner with Marjorie Tyrell. And she thinks about Marjorie's welcome to King's Landing and kind of contrasts where the people threw flowers at Marjorie and held up their babies for Marge to kiss You know, she thinks back to her own experiences where the people were literally trying to tear her off of her horse and, you know, rape and kill and dismember her. So, you know, she kind of feels like um, maybe the people of King's Landing are not, you know, 
not so sweet as Marjorie might might think. <laughs> well, so, to be fair, Marjorie did bring them a whole bunch of food. Right. I, I know. I mean, I <laughs> I totally, you know, totally get it. But, yeah, she can kind of, you know, again, it's interesting to see the, the seeds planted for feast here where, you know, we'll see these we'll see this crowd of people reacting to another queen, you know, walking through the city essentially by the, you know, mm-hmm. actually in dance. But, you know, we kind of see the reactions to various queens. It'll be interesting when, you know, Danny comes along, what she'll get, or if it's just everyone's <laughs> dead, basically. Um, I thought it was interesting. I mean, she also, doesn't she talk or think a little bit about her own experience before Joffrey set her aside? Or no, am I thinking... I might have read ahead. I don't think so as much, but it might have just been um, not something I, I made particular note of. So Sansa's naturally pretty suspicious of this invitation, and she's really worried that Joffrey's behind it, and it's going to be some attempt to make her miserable. But she knows that it really doesn't matter what Marjorie's motivations are. She really has no choice but to accept the invitation. And she wishes the Hound were still around, and... I like this short little passage, and I thought I'd read it for the sand sand shippers who get nothing anymore. Um, <laughs> she thinks, I wish the hound were here. The night of the battle, Sandra Clegane had come to her chambers to take her from the city, but Sansa had refused. Sometimes she lay awake at night, wondering if she'd been wise. She had a stained white cloak hidden in the cedar chest beneath her summer silks. She could not say why she'd kept it. The hound had turned, gri- had turned craven, she heard it said. At the height of the battle, he got so drunk the imp had to take his men. But Sansa understood. She knew the secret of his burned face. It was only the fire he feared. That night the wildfire had set the river itself ablaze and filled the very air with green flame. Even in the castle, Sansa had been afraid. Outside, she could scarcely imagine it. So it's just... I love that she keeps the cloak. <laughs> and yeah. um, do we? Does anyone know offhand, does she have it in Feast... Shoot. I suppose not, probably, because she kind of fled, on a, you know. There, I don't I, think she has anything but the hairnet on her head. Yeah. <laughs> and, and doesn't, yeah, I don't think she's got it. So how weird would that be to, like, who's unpacking her luggage and like, oh. Oh, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah, a bloody white. Yeah, I mean, they could think a lot of things. Um, so the night of the dinner arrives, and the beautiful new Kingsguard, Loris Tyrell, arrives to escort Sansa to the Maiden Vault. And Loris informs her that their grandmother will also be joining Sansa and Marjorie for supper. And to be honest, I don't think Sansa cares because she's like super into Loris and she really can't even keep her head straight because she's thinking about the fact that he's touching her. I know. Um, You know what I loved in this chapter is this like there's this fluctuation with Sansa between she's, you know, she's been in King's Landing for a while. She's kind of getting wise to the way it works there. And you see her having to think you know be suspicious of this invitation and you know it's smart to be suspicious of it but then you also get these moments where she's such like a girly girl like teenage girl and that's what this all read like with loris like yeah, just, like, yeah. oh my god he's so cute yeah. he's, he's so dreamy <laughs> and like oh my god. yeah <laughs> being that age and being around like you know, a boy that you're kind of crushing on and just any little thing, right? Like, oh, I think I felt his finger, you know, like, or it's everything is you're so hyper aware of proximity, you know, and it's... Yeah, like, she's, yeah. George did, George did a great job with, I think, capturing what that's like as a girl. And then, you know, well, to your... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, plus, I mean, 
there's the whole like, what is this dinner going to be? Am I going to be humiliated at it? You know, you just don't know. And, you know, you want to just. And at the same time, I love that she's still got a little hope that she's all like, and Loris Tyrell will be there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe it will be better. And, you know. But then, you know, to Lot's point, she also like immediately after she she knows her shit. You know, she's not yeah. just like this giggly girl because, you know, she's the one who mentions to Loras that, oh, Olena is known as the Queen of Thorns. Like, you know, she's absorbed a lot of this, you know, information. Yeah. And, you know, Loras right away, you know, warns her not to use that nickname in Olena's presence lest she get pricked, which I thought was quite <laughs> clever. Like, Loras is a little more clever than I remember. Um, so they pass out into the yard and they, they see a number of knights are out training and Sansa notices one lone knight trains against three foes. And she sees the golden roses on his shield and asks asks if this is Loras's brother. And Loras tells her that you know this is his brother Sir Garland and that he often trains against multiple foes to be best prepared for real battle. He says in a battle it, it is seldom one against one. And you know I was thinking I hadn't really thought about this before, but seeing all the seeds that George planted in um, Sansa's last class chapter and again in this chapter. Do you guys think this is maybe some kind of foreshadowing for Garland actually having some important single combat in his future? I thought so. Like, why make a point out of him being such a good swordsman? Like, Lancel even admits, or not Lancel, sorry, Loras even admits that, like, he's a better swordsman than he or a fighter. He's, you know, good with a lance. Oh, I don't know. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes up again later. Yeah. I mean, so, someone, someone's going to have to champion Marjorie. Right. Uh, you know, that's kind of what I was thinking potentially is that, you know, like, oh, shit, are we going to find out that, well, I mean, actually, if it's against the mountain, I suppose it won't matter. Um, so Sansa brings up the tourney of the hand where Loras presented her with a red rose, you know, unique among the other white roses he distributed. Mm-hmm. And Lawrence, Loras doesn't even remember it. And it's just, it's so cruel that Sansa doesn't even get to hold on to her smallest illusions. Yeah. You know, she doesn't even get that moment. And then, you know, it's sort of compounded because Loras doesn't either. You know, because Sansa he, mentions that he unhorsed Robert Royce. And this is one of the guys that Loras killed after Renly's death. And, you know, we know that it's something that he feels a lot of shame over. Yeah. So they have the chivalric moment together. But then, you know, it's just so, like, tarnished for, you know, it was tarnished for Loras, I think, immediately, or it was just something he never even remembered. And then Sansa, you know, yeah, it's like it was nothing to him. <laughs> like, oh, poor girl. Well, and again, you know, this this kid has, like, nothing. Like, I mean, yeah, she's, you know, eating well and everything, but, you know... She thinks half her family's, well, she doesn't think half her family's dead. I mean, like, some of her, she's not in a good place. I mean, at and this point, she thinks no, you're Bob a, is alive. And yeah. She would and she know thinks, about. And her brothers, yeah. But, I mean, like. It's dire. This it's is a dire. super dire She's the daughter of a traitor. She knows it. She's been treated by shit by people who used to think she was something nice. You know, it's just. It's just a kid. Yeah. You know, I always come back to that. She's a little girl and, you know, you she just wants a nice moment and they can't even give her like one. <laughs> you know, it's it's it does kind of break my heart a little. So Sansa doesn't get to have nice things. Yeah. Yeah. So Sansa does keep her courtesies and she you know, expresses her sympathy for Marjorie over Renly's death and, and Loras is like 
Yeah, Marjorie is the sad one. Um, <laughs> no, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's like we know there's nothing Sansa can actually do to kind of attract Loras, but let's, you know, she really does have absolutely no game like, at all, as she shouldn't. She's like 14, you know, 14 no, years old. I wouldn't even, expect no, her to. No, she's younger than that. She's 12 yeah. or 13 max. And she's, yeah, mm. she's in over her head. And yeah. it's not like she would have had the opportunity to, say, develop Gadar. Right. Yeah, because it would have been, they wouldn't have, it's not, it's not like today. Well, no. I mean, John no, and Rob and Go to Wikipedia or something or, like, take an online quiz and, like, you know, she doesn't even have Cosmo. <laughs> <laughs> but to that point, she's entering into the world of Cosmo as we speak, really, because, <laughs> you know, they come, they arrive at Elena's and, you know, we and Sansa meet Marjorie, Allery Tyrell, Mega Ella Eleanor, Jana Fossaway, Lady Leonette, and then Lady Graceford, who's pregnant. And um, from Sansa's description of her, she I think she must be the lady. And I, I don't I always remember this when Tyrion is watching at the purple wedding and he's like very wistful because she and her husband are obviously very much in love. And so I'm assuming this is her. And um also present again, pin for feast. We have Lady Mary, Lady Merryweather. So she's literally walking into like a Cosmo mag. Like it's kind of funny you said that. It's not. It's like, yeah, but it's not Tana. Isn't it Tana? They no, say the sultry I, Lady Merryweather. No, 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 no. I had to read that twice. Um, she's told she should call the woman um, Mary. No, that's Meredith Crane. Wait, wait, wait. I have this. I had notes on this because I was like, I read it three times. <laughs> and of course, it's possible because I was like supposed to be working when I was doing this. I thought it was Tana. That's what I assumed as well. I mean, how many sultry, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, dark hair, or dark eyed. She has a sister. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. And uh, and Mary was what she was supposed to call plump, boisterous, plump Meredith Crane, but most definitely not Lady Merriweather. I don't think she's actually there, is she? I, no, I yeah. think she's not supposed to call Lady Merriweather Mary. Maybe I read that wrong. <laughs> but again, I don't think it's like the the biggest point of. Of the chapter, and let you know, just in except in terms of you know characters we're going to see there. again. Yeah. I don't think because isn't she? Maybe I'm wrong here. Stranger things have happened. <laughs> so, well, no, I've been wrong many, many times. <laughs> so everyone yeah. is really perfectly lovely to Sansa at first, and Elena welcomes her, and I think it's quite um, quite telling that she acknowledges Sansa's losses, which really, I mean. It has to be a first for Sansa that someone actually talks to her about, you know, what's happened, you know, mentions that what's happened to her must be horrible. And they talk a little bit about Renly, and Elena gives her famous breakdown of um, the youngest stag, which I I thought I'd read for the Stannis fans among us. Um, Her grandmother snorted, gallant, yes, and charming, and very clean. He knew how to dress, and he knew how to smile, and he knew how to bathe. And somehow he got the notion that this made him fit to be king. The Baratheons have always had some queer notions, to be sure. It comes from their Targaryen blood, I should think. She sniffed. They tried to marry me to a Targaryen once, but I soon put an end to that. And 
this is hilarious because this is so Olena's um, sure Jan moment because like <laughs> oh yeah you put an end to it uh huh because we know now that of course you know Darian Targaryen was her uh, betrothed and that he was gay and in love with someone else and so I don't think Olena put it Olena didn't end anything that anyone uh, wanted like she's totally like playing herself up there like oh I'm so smart like yeah bullshit honey like I have to. I have to speculate, too, because it seems like, you know, she's, uh, Lady Olana's really put out there as kind of the puppet master of her family. But do you think she had, I don't, I get the sense that she didn't, was kind of left out in the dark with this Renly and Yeah, yeah that's always been the, the well, impression I've gotten, that, you know. It's the, it's, it's like any other she has like any other woman who is able to work within her her spheres of influence. You know, they work with traditional. Oh, actually, she's far from traditional, but I mean, they have a certain amount of power. But if they get overruled, they get overruled. So whatever Garland or um, Mace kept his mom in the dark there. Um, until it was too late, and you know she's got to deal with what she's got to deal with. It. She's not all powerful, mm-hmm. so it's kind of probably what's happening with Joffrey and Marjorie as well, right? Like, yeah, I got the impression she does not want that. No, yeah. Well, she talks about you know how the Tyrells are new money, and you know she thinks that's part of Mace's desire to see his grandchild on the throne. And I, I actually pulled out a quote about it. Um, she, she says. My son ought to take the puff fish for a sigil, if truth be told. He could put a crown on it, the way that the Baratheons do their stag. Mayhap that would make him happy. We should have stayed well out of all of this bloody foolishness, if you ask me. But once the cow's been milked, there's no squirting the cream back up her udder. After Lord Puffish put that crown on Renly's head, we were into the, into the pudding up to our knees. So here we are to see things through. And what do you say to that, Sansa? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you guys are exactly right. Like she, you know, she didn't want to do this, but they're, if they're going to do it, they're going to do it, you know, they're going to do it right, basically, or they're going to do it in a way that, you know, as we'll see that their family, you know, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to sacrifice Marjorie to a monster, basically. Like they're not willing, or she is not willing to go that far, at least we don't know about Mace. So I gotta wonder, did Mace wait till his mother was like, I don't know, on vacation or something? <laughs> she was like playing bridge and. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about True. Littlefinger, you know, if you think about post um, Bitter Bridge, not Bitter Bridge. If you, yeah, Bitter. If you think post Renly's death, let's just say it that way, and Littlefinger comes to them with an offer of Joffrey. I mean, that's a, you're gonna take like who's not gonna take that offer? You're basically getting a get out of treason free card for siding with Renly and you're getting a marriage to the throne. So, I mean, it's like that's a, you know, Stannis is going to give you nothing. Hmm. I'd take that. Um, So, you know, Olena's being pretty candid here and she's kind of ranting until Lady Alary tries to change the subject with food because they're having lemon cakes. Yay! Let's all rape to lemon cakes. Um, but before the food is served, all the ladies are treated to a performance by the Terrell's Fool Butterbumps, 
And once you actually, like, read Butterbump's performance a little more closely, like, he's pretty incredible. So I just wanted to pull out a little bit of what Butterbump's is actually doing here. Because I just remember him singing, not the actual performance. So Butterbump's arrived before the food, dressed in a jester's suit of green and yellow feathers with a floppy coxcomb. An immense round fat man, as big as three moon boys, he came cartwheeling into the hall, vaulted onto the table, and laid a gigantic egg right in front of Sansa. Break it, my lady, he commanded. When she did, a dozen yellow chicks escaped and began running in all directions. Catch them, Butterbumps exclaimed. Liddy, little Lady Bulwer snagged one and handed it to him, whereby he tilted back his head, popped it into his huge rubbery mouth, and seemed to swallow it whole. When he belched, tiny yellow feathers flew out his nose. <laughs> Lady Bower began to wail in distress, but her tears turned into a sudden squeal of delight when the chick came squirming out of the sleeves of her gown and ran down her arm. I mean, that is some high-quality fooling. Like, like, I saw Vegas shit right there. <laughs> right? Like, he is incredible. Like, just think about this, like, gigantically fat man coming in cartwheeling and shit. And he juggles. He's doing magic tricks. He's singing. Like, damn, Butterbumps, he better be getting paid he's bringing really his well. A-game? I appreciate you actually making me, like, listen to that because I think I glazed over it. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's impressive. And Butterbumps, like, that's a great name. Yeah, he is amazing. <laughs> Um, so Butterbumps juggles now, and Elena starts to get to the point, as everyone, obviously, like, what a great distraction, too, because I have to tell you, like, if he's doing all that shit, I'm not listening to what Elena and Sans are talking about. Yeah, I'm yeah, watching yeah. that. Um, so Elena tells Sansa that Mace is an oaf. His father was an oaf. His mother was probably an oaf, too. I just, I added that. I was thinking of Seinfeld. His his father was a mutter. His mother was a mutter. Um Anyway, so while Olena's husband rode off a cliff to his death, Mace is doing the same, but he's riding a lion instead of a horse. And she tells Sansa that if she has a son, a son someday, she should beat him every day so he'll listen. But she didn't, Sound, and so they're stuck with Mace treating a lion like a lap cat. And she says, this is a pretty famous line, all these kings would, go, would do a good deal better if they would put down their swords and listen to their mothers. Let's challenge that statement a little bit, though. So we've got the War of Five Kings. So, we, you know, the moms would be like Cat, Cersei, uh, you know, Renly's mom, Renly and Stannis' mom is dead, and then Balin's mom is dead. So, I mean, Cat and Cersei, and really? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how yeah. that's going to work out that well. Uh. <laughs> and then if you stick in, like, Liza, you know, Liza Tully, and yeah, ugh, I don't know. They're not really representing the mom's club too well, are they? Well, you know, being dead ladies club, (laughs) seeing as many of them are dead. Um, So now we kind of get to the guts of this. Um, Olena wants to listen to Sansa tell the truth about Joffrey. And she says they've heard some troubling things about him. And I'm assuming that's that's from Littlefinger, right? He He wanted to plant that seed because he is... You know, he he needed the Tyrells to be in this with him. Yeah, but I, they can't be, he can't be the only one. I mean, Joffrey's antics have to have yeah. reached, I mean, there have to be people going, 
holy shit, what the hell? I mean, kind of like, you know. Yeah, I mean, he was like literally shooting people, like shooting the small folk from like the castle windows. Yeah, that that kind of stuff that gets out. I mean, it's like I I like to imagine there's people in, in the White House and the West Wing right now going, what the fuck, man? Should we do something? And I'm like. <laughs> and yet all of them say no. Yeah, well, that's a whole other story. But you know what I mean. I mean, like, I can't believe that nobody. Yeah, that word doesn't get around more that he's a, a crazy nut, person. A job, yeah. Yeah, they've got to know, and they've got to be worried. In any case. Well, you got to think it too. It's still kind of early days, right, in his reign. Yeah, well, like though Sansa already has the hairnet, so obviously the plan was already in place. Oh yes, yeah, I had yeah. that thought as well. But maybe she's just. I don't know, making sure. No, it was going to happen. <laughs> well, I so mean, what is the point then? If her mind was already made up, wait a second, think about it. Okay, so she's got the hairnet. It can just be a hairnet. You don't actually have to use that. If, if it turns out that he's like, you know, they can work with him. Well, Littlefinger's going to do it regardless. Well, Littlefinger, but I mean, in terms of the Tyrells, right. they got nothing to lose there. They're just hedging their bets. Well, and I think there's an, maybe another purpose for the conversation, too, which we can get into a little bit later as well, a little hypothesizing. Um, so Sansa's, Sansa doesn't want to you know, answer truthfully. She tells Elena that you know, Joffrey's really good-looking and brave as a lion. <laughs> and you know, Elena's just like, is he a dick? Mm-hmm. Is he going to treat Marjorie kindly? And again, you know, can we think of other, I mean, is there any other circumstance where someone's actually concerned about the man that they're going to marry, have marry, like, their daughter or granddaughter? I mean, you think, it just makes me think of, like, Rob. Oh, oh, Arya won't like being engaged to that fray. Ha, ha, ha. Like, he doesn't even give a shit, you know? Like, he's going to leave her with that horrible family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even, like, Selwyn Tarth, like, he's really going to marry Brienne to some old, like, jackass, you know? Yeah. Just... It just seems like this is one of the few circumstances where people are actually caring, right? Who you know who they're giving their you know this their daughter to. Well, the grandmother's caring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mace. Yeah, probably. Unless Mace, Mace just doesn't seem to. He's. It's a political advantage. Yeah. So thank God for Olena, you know. And I mean, the other thing too is, I think in. Um, I don't know whose chapter it, whose chapter it would be in, or if we even, or maybe I'm getting show and book mixed up. But I think it's pretty explicitly stated that you know part of the part of the case Littlefinger makes against Joffrey is that if Joffrey fucks with Marjorie, Loras isn't just going to sit there and watch it. So it's not just like they're saving Marjorie from Joffrey; they're saving Loras too, because you know they put Loras in position of of being a Kingslayer. Like he would not. He would never stand by idly as 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 Marge was abused. Mm-hmm. So it's like she's saving both of her grandchildren. Yeah, Olana's well, kind of like a. I have a love distaste. Dis- yeah. I hate so much, but 
love distaste relationship yeah. with Olana. Like reading her, you know, she's amusing. Like she's got some great quips and she's obviously calculating and intelligent. But I always go back, and I know I've mentioned this before, yeah. to how she likes to screw over hardworking merchants and artisans. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even a lot of what she's she's putting Sansa through here right now, I mean, it's like, oh, my God, again. You know, preteen girl. It, this is not somebody who's necessarily. You know, I mean, I wouldn't be able to hold up with this stuff. Well, she's also setting her up for, you know, like murder. Murder. Well, I mean, again, I think it's. You got to figure they're they're like okay if she because the plan is to marry her off to uh, Willis there, so if that goes into play, they don't have to worry about it. You know. But they've always got that backup plan. Yeah, that was never going to well, happen. Kind of, that's so kind of the Tyrells' way, though. Is they always yeah. have a way out. Well, and yeah. I mean, Littlefinger's the you know Littlefinger was not clear to them on his half of the plan. Well, and I'm I'm pretty sure they they I'm imagining they'd have to know that too. It's just I don't a matter. Think they had any idea that Sansa was going to disappear. Well, actually, well, no, I but take I that mean, back. That, I, they I had no that, idea that. that that Littlefinger is not the most trustworthy right. ally, I guess, is what I was but going yeah, with. But yeah, I, I take that back. What what changed it was Sansa's marriage, obviously. If Sansa yeah. hadn't been married, it, you know, totally, you know, different story. But then that's where Littlefinger betrayed them, is on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Elena assures Sansa that no one's going to hurt her if she tells the truth. And, and Sansa blurts out, you know, my father told the truth and look what happened to him. And she tells Elena about how Jeffrey had promised her mercy for her father, but then not only had him kill, but made her look at his head on a spike. And she starts to freak out, and she tries to take back what she said. And, and I think it's somewhat significant that Marjorie is the one who realizes that she's terrified. Like, Elena's really focused on, like, drilling Sansa here. And Marge mm-hmm. kind of, like, actually takes a notice of the situation and kind of walks it back. And, you know, Grandma, you know, she's terrified. So Olena okay. calls Butter. Oh, go ahead. Oh, so she's like, dial it back, Grandma. Just yeah. <laughs> so Olena calls Butterbumps over and commands him to sing the Bear and the Maiden Fair in order to hide their conversation. And again, shout out to Butterbumps. Butterbumps asks if she wants him to sing it standing on his head. <laughs> yeah, Butterbumps better be making a shit ton of dragons because seriously, <laughs> like he's incredible, and you know. Maybe yeah, Cersei shaved, should consider shaved dragons. Sorry. <laughs> maybe, uh, yeah, exactly. She's getting screwed. Who am I kidding? But you know, maybe Cersei should consider hooking up with him instead of Moon Boy. Just <laughs> could you imagine if all of Jamie's chapters had and maybe Butterbumps from? <laughs> That's hilarious. That's way better. <laughs> He'd be like laughing through his rage, like really. Oh, Butterbumps. <laughs> So, Butterbumps shouts out our favorite song, and it was kind of interesting to read all the lyrics to it, because I get so used to hearing um, the show version that I just you know, forget the actual song. I don't know if you guys had that experience or not. Mm, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's a, it's a hysterical, nightmarish kind of sequence. Um and I think the first time I read it, I was actually somewhat, you know, paying attention to to the lyrics. But um, no, I can't say that I 
was... Sorry. Mm, I was kind of hoping someone would just start shouting a bear through the middle of this, like, randomly. (laughs) Give it to make it more authentic. I find what it does, though, is, like, you're nearing the end of this chapter and you're seeing that sound, uh, the song typed out in, you know, all caps. and Yeah. The scene that's pl- be playing out, it really does make you kind of anxious, you know? Yeah. It makes it really exciting, I, I feel and, like. Yeah. So, so Butterbump is, Butterbumps is doing his job here, and Sansa finally confesses to Elena and Marjorie that Joffrey's a monster. And she recounts some of his evil deeds, like killing her father, killing Lady, having the Kingsguard beat her. And, you know, Elena and Marjorie exchange this meaningful look, and Sansa starts to panic that she'll be blamed if the Tyrells try to back out of the wedding. And Elena assures her that Mace will do no such thing, and she changes the subject to Highgarden, and, you know, hey, would Sansa like to visit? And, you know, to one of your one of your points before about, you know, why the Tyrells are doing this, does anyone think that is is Willis a, a reward here for Sansa? Is this kind of part of a test to see if she's worthy of Willis? No, I don't think so. I don't think they gave a shit about that. I, I, I think, think it's just their way of getting a toehold into the north. Yeah. yeah. Because because as I said, the Tyrells like to have all of the bases covered. So this I is mean, a, like if, if Rob if wins, she'd has, had if she had. Yeah, I don't know. If she'd had like three heads or was a half wit or something, you know, maybe it would be a different story. But I honestly don't think they give a shit. I they, the- you know, well, they want him to be, they care about him. I think that part is legitimate. But if you're asking, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think I agree with the theory. I think they really, she's got, she's an heiress. I think that's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point about kind of a hedge, too, because at this point, for all, you know, for all they know, Rob would win. And having Sansa wed to Willis would, I mean, be such an insurance. I mean, it'd be an insurance policy for Marjorie, basically. And, you know, for the rest of them, like they would be, you know, Rob wins. They're all forgiven due to that, which, you know, is. Or she's a hostage. I mean, there's all sorts of... Yeah, but I mean, given what we know of Willis, it's, you know, let's say the war takes two years, and you know, in that time, although Sansa's still really young, but you could kind of see that she probably would be pretty happily married, given what we know of Willis. Um, so, like, it'd be pretty easy to imagine her being able to help them negotiate, like, really good terms, basically. So, they talk about... They talk up how awesome Highgarden is, and it, this is where it's kind of funny, because, like, Highgarden can be in hovel, and I feel like Sansa would be like, oh, Highgarden, it sounds so great. It's made of dung. It sounds wonderful. Um, Marjorie suggests that Sansa may never want to leave, and Sansa's really like, take me now, um, but the queen will never let me go. And Elena assures that if Mace asks, she'll have, she'll have to if they can hide their true purpose and, and Sansa's like true purpose. And Elena tells her that they'll see her safely wed and, and Sansa's over the moon with the idea of marrying Sir Loras. And, and this is one of those moments like Sansa thinks of herself as being stupid, but this is one of the ones where she actually is stupid. It's like Sansa, honey, yeah. you know what <laughs> the King's again, Guard is. I mean, do you guys know a lot of 12 year olds? Cause the ones I know, they're not this, um, Politically, I mean, well, but she I don't knows think the Kingsguard can't marry. I mean, Sansa, while well, people would know that. I think what I'm saying is like, this is someone who's been through a lot of trauma. 
This is someone who's had a lot going on, and I don't think she... I don't think she truly, I mean, she's not really thinking it through. It's just sort of like they're promising her something. They're promising her to take her away. And in her head, she's just had this meeting with Loris. I think if she had time, she'd be like, oh, yeah, he's Kingsguard. That's not on the table. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to say chalk it up to being a bit flustered, given the whole scenario. Well, I mean, hard, given all out. the criticism of Sansa, this is like the lightest criticism ever. <laughs> so I feel like that's well, just, I'm just moving thinking along. Like, not only that, but the, she's just been in this. I mean, I'd be freaking out if I'd been stuck with the, you know, these people who are trying to, you know, get me to basically. I mean, treason. what she's saying is is treason. Um, while there's a, it sounds like a morbidly obese fool um, <laughs> shouting lyrics to a song. I mean, I'd probably be a little bit flustered too. But like, what'd you say? I'm totally watching Butterbumps. Um, <laughs> so Olena clarifies that no, they're actually talking about Willis, who is you know older and crippled, but he is the heir and is basically like the best catch ever. And um, you know Willis, they assure her has a bad leg, but it, but a good heart. And Marjorie kind of assures her that it's all going to happen soon, just as Butterbumps gets to the thrilling conclusion of his performance, where he roars out the last lines of the song leaps into the air and comes down on both feet. <laughs> and standing ovation to him, um, he made me not miss Cheese Boy at all. So has he replaced Cheese Boy in your heart? Although I noticed Cheese Boy does make an appearance. No, he's in here. Like, I couldn't believe that. I thought that was, like, made up. <laughs> that the like, cheese? Oh, sh- I mean, this this chapter is, like, I mean, this is a very close ad- adaptation in the in the show. I mean, like, there's a lot of lines that are exactly in the show. No butter bumps. That's no butter bumps. And like seriously though, how could you like how could you get anyone to play butter bumps? Like no one would ever be that good. They have to CGI that shit. (laughs) It's the most expensive episode in Game of Thrones history. Money well spent. (laughs) Yep, I would agree. Uh, there's this line in the, in the book, though, that I wish they'd kept for the show because it just – it's kind of – talking about this particular topic with a 12-year-old girl. My husband, the late Lord Luthor. Oh, I loved him well enough. Don't mistake me. A kind man and not unskilled in the bedchamber, oh, yeah. <laughs> but an appalling oaf all the same. I wish they'd kept that in the show. Yeah, I I kind of like I mean again like this is like an ongoing theme isn't it of our nar- of our POV characters being forced to have like inappropriate awkward sexual conversation with old people. <laughs> yes. Yes, oh my god, you're right it is. Like did George have some like just awful like awful old daddy man with no that is filter is, is, or uncle or uncle <laughs> Yeah, I feel like he always makes it the aunt, the women, though, so. Yeah. Well, no, Roos did his own sharing of his own. That's true. Which I'm sure went down real well, but, you know, I'm just like, whoa. Yeah, I have a feeling like George spent a lot of time with, I don't know, older people who just <laughs> had, had no, no filter. filters no at filter. all. No, no sense of what is and what is not okay to bring up in polite company. Well, any company, polite or otherwise. I mean, I don't think they're, 
there's, I mean, I don't, even with people I'm comfortable with, half of this stuff, I don't want to hear anyone telling me about their first sexual experiences or how great their their husband was in bed or whatever. I'm like, I don't want to know that. Have you listened to any of the hub, of the hubby, of the spouse casts or anything? Because I feel like maybe that that would happen. Yeah, but I mean, that's like, people are drunk and you know it's going to happen. This is, it's, this is the equivalent of, You've gone out to dinner or lunch or, oh, it sounds like tea, actually, with, like, you know, people who are, you you, you hardly know. Yeah. And for they're a, sharing, like, you know, sexual techniques. Or, yeah, for a 12-year-old, it's pretty rough. For, like, a 32-year-old, this would be, like, the greatest tea ever. <laughs> Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, uh, I wouldn't have the a... people are. <laughs> I don't care. I, I, I would like to hear I mean, all of it. I think it'd be hysterical. If we need dial, free, feel free to share this kind of stuff with me. But generally speaking, <laughs> I don't want to hear about this stuff from, you know, senior citizens. I just don't. <laughs> oh, I do. Uh, so if there are any senior citizens listening, listening, feel free to send us stories of your sexual conquests. I was going <laughs> to say, my mother and my stepdad like to tell their own stories well enough. <laughs> Things I don't want to hear about ever. Yeah. I I don't think that we have any mail. We kind of blew all of our mail and our... Oh, do we? We did have a piece of mail, which oh, okay. I, in my stupidity, or I don't know, my general unpreparedness. Hang on one second. I just figured we used all of them in our drunk cast, which we recorded this weekend. We got a Tumblr message. Yeah, I we did. I was I saw it. Although I don't know if we really. I think maybe we may need to do a fanfic episode at some point because someone. I feel like we kind of did that in the drunk cast, and it was explicit. (laughs) No, this was. um, Hi there. I'm not familiar with the world of fanfiction. It sounds as though some of you are. I'm only interested in works that are canon compatible. In universe, in character, for example, fill in narrative gaps, elaborate on, extend the canon text, but are believable. Can anyone recommend any that fit this description, please? Um, Song of Ice and Fire, Jamie and Brienne, especially if possible. Thanks so much. Keep doing what you do. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, Sigil Broken's two canon fix, which in this light, and I can't think of what the other one is. Um, Rose Hearts is oh yeah Uh, the seven bind their fate although that's like a canon AU which I don't know if this person would be would be interested in fill in the gap type thing right yeah because I think like yours lot as well but that's kind of like a canon I feel like it's a canon AU yeah mine are always like I don't know wildly out there. I, I mean, think. then there's the there's the person that did the North Remembers, which is a continuation from Dance, but I have to say, while some of it is brilliant, the Jamie Brienne is shit. <laughs> oh, okay, then. <laughs> well. I haven't read it, so I don't know. They, no comment. <laughs> they just don't have, you know, they don't have much of a storyline. Oh. And it's a bit disappointing, but I mean, it's written, um, you know, it's written unbelievably. Like when you read it for the first time, you do kind of feel like, holy shit, this could be like 
the wind, the winds of winter. Yeah. So, which we will never get to read. Nope, we never will. Um, I liked what I have. The ones I can think of are all like what if kinds of deals. So that probably doesn't go into um, into the equation. I would say what you should do is maybe start by going to archive of our own. And um, there I know there are tags like canon compliant and things like that. And maybe check out a few and see if there's anything that works for you. Yeah, because I feel like there's probably, you know, there's probably so many that we're forgetting about, too. And there's, there's a, especially from, you know, three or four years ago, there's a lot yeah. of really good stories in the fandom. Um, yeah. Ann and Ann. Fic is so hard to, like, um, recommend because it's so, I don't know. Yeah. It's subjective as, right. yeah, as far as, well, you know, we're subjective. I mean, some of it, I think the problem is, like, like I know the ones I liked, but I tend to li- I don't like canon. It's very hard for me to read. Um, like some of the ones I've read, are, I really enjoyed, but they are very much um, they're they're like sort of canon what ifs. They're not so much like what you're with this like a uh, continuation a or a, um, yeah. like I thought turtle paste stuff is really good, but that is definitely what ifs. And I don't know if they're finished. Well, it's so. aptly named. Yeah. <laughs> um, Somebody should not talk, but. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, I'm sitting on like 50,000 words of something and I just, just haven't had the, you know, I can't. I don't even know, like, like, cause this has been brought up a couple times now about doing another fan fiction episode. I don't even know what that would be because I haven't read or written in years. I know. Well, there's, I, I will read, and there's a couple. There's there's some that are just kind of fun and throwaway, but then there's like there's one that I've been reading that's been probably for like a year and a half now that I really like, and it's um it's called Storm Lion, and it's pretty involved about um, Jamie Brienne's son. And oh yes, I started reading this, and uh, like and Daenerys has two daughter, you know, two daughters, and it's really like Shireen is a Shireen is a big part of it. It's all like post war. Um, I'm intrigued. It's, it's really, okay. I mean, it's it's probably like, gosh, like fifty some chapters at this point, and she updates oh, maybe God. every three weeks to a month or so. Um, but it's probably closer to the, you know, it's getting near the end. But um, it's really well written, and it's it's unique. It's just a it's not, you know, sometimes I think especially in, you know, three or four or five years ago, there were how many stories about, you know, taking canon from post-Stoneheart like there are now all of these. <laughs> Jamie goes north, like everything's from the same point, and they can be vastly different, but they're yeah. still kind of generally the same story, and this is like just so completely different. Like, this is my first attempt. Leave me alone. <laughs> I dare. No, I mean, literally, it's not you lot. Like, everyone yeah. write, everyone wrote that story. Like, I mean. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's I where they say- are. Like, that's what we forget is, like, Jesus Christ. Like, it's been, when did Dance come out? 2011. So it's been seven years since, you know, he scrambled I, I, to his feet. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember very well when Dance with Dragons came out. It was on my birthday. Oh, what a oh. lovely birthday present. 
Yeah, and I was kind of wishing I could get a a birthday present this year in the form of, hey, I have a release date, but no. No, I mean, (laughs) he's going to cons again and stuff. Like, I think he's completely given up. (laughs) I would say, like, start with Sigil Broken. I don't think you can go wrong there. Yeah. And then the other thing is, like, just seriously, just go on AO3 Use the and filters. Just use yeah, the, filters. Do the filters by, you know, kudos or comments or whatnot. I mean, <laughs> I got in trouble once. People didn't believe people sorted that way. I'm like, I totally do. Yeah, um, I think people do, especially when you're just kind of, you know, with your brain. I know I it. did. When I, yeah. when I first started, I'm like, okay, what's everybody into? <laughs> and there'll be things yeah. that you miss. the bestseller list yeah. here. <laughs> And yeah. there's some, I'm, I'm not going to lie, there's some scary shit out there, but just keep digging and, you know, give it a few paragraphs. And if you find a writer you really like, look at their bookmarks, Yeah. you know. And if and they don't of, use paragraph breaks, probably that's a good sign to not continue reading. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yuck. But that's our mail. Um. Anything else? Anything on this chapter? Does I know I know we're not quite at the intersection of Sansa and Tyrion yet, but I'm hoping that these Sansa chapters will help um, cleanse the palate. Well, they actually they totally won't. Who am I kidding? They'll just make it worse. Um, <laughs> but you know, I we'll like it from it. the character we like. <laughs> I thought it was nice to get in somebody else's head that wasn't a raging misogynist, and uh, that was fun. <laughs> All right. Well, on that oh, I, I was totally gonna like end the show, which because I can never I can never remember the outro. Um, anyway, if you would like to send us mail, you can reach us at close the door end at gmail dot com. You can find us on Tumblr at close the door and come here, on Twitter at door podcast, on Facebook at close the door and come here, and you can listen to us on Podbean on iTunes on Google Play, Stitcher, all of those places. And I would just encourage you, um, if you're at all inclined, uh, send us an iTunes review. It, it helps p- other people find the podcast, um, the, the more reviews we get. So we would appreciate um, any iTunes reviews we can get our dirty little hands on. I'd also add, if anybody listens to us on uh, Stitcher, can you also review and give us a rating? Because there's only two right now, and it's really low because there's only two. Oh, and and one, one guy was a douche. Oh, and you can also become our Patreon, and you receive um, special benefits like receiving episodes early, which is a little bit significant because, like I said, um, we just recorded our Drunk Cast episode, and that won't go out to our regular subscribers until September, but... Our Patreon should probably have it this week or next week. So um, that's a really fun one to get to get early and understand some of our in-jokes that we'll be making over the next few episodes. <laughs> and um, as always, we are, we are starting to look for guests in our late August and then fall episodes, so continue, continuing on with Sans and Tyrion. So if you are interested in being on the podcast, you can send us an email to closethedoorin at gmail.com again. And we would love to have you on. And with that, I am closing the door. Get out.